The thing that I love about our story is it tells hopefully kids that watch this, they're not alone. There's power in letting yourself be loved and vulnerable. And our story doesn't shy away from God was always there. And man, for someone to come across our little movie and hopefully get that message, I would hope we would celebrate that, you know, and see the positivity of that. Welcome back to the Act One Podcast. I'm your host, James Duke. Thank you for supporting our little podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please share it with your friends and family and maybe even your pets. My guests today, that's right, plural, I have two guests today, are the filmmakers behind the new film, A Week Away, which premiered on Netflix on March 26th. They are producer Gabriel Vasquez and director Roman White. Gabriel Vasquez has spent the last 20 years developing and managing the careers of award-winning accomplished artists, including Amy Grant, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Newsboys, and Jackie Velasquez. In 2016, he executive produced his first film, Wildflower, under the Vasquez Productions banner. Roman White has worked with some of the biggest names in entertainment, including Taylor Swift, Blake Shelton, Justin Bieber, and Kelly Clarkson. Also an animator and FX artist, White has earned numerous Emmy Awards, plus multiple Director of the Year nods. In 2016, Wright wrote and directed his first film, Summer Forever, for Disney and Relativity. Their new production company is Rove Productions, and this is their debut film. A Week Away is the fish-out-of-water story of a troubled teen who ultimately finds love and belonging at the place he least expects, a Christian summer camp. It's currently streaming on Netflix now. Go watch it. It's a lot of fun, and it's actually great for the whole family. Enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Roman and Gabriel. Now, do you go by Gabriel, or do you want me to call you Gabe? You can call me Gabe. In writing, I asked him to put Gabriel, but you know, it just looks more formal. But you can call okay. me. Okay. So I. So am I in? Am I in now? Because I get to call you Gabe. Am I in? Yes. I'm in the inner circle. Yes. Just yeah, you're a very small circle. <laughs> Gabe's a lot nicer than Gabriel. So you're going to enjoy him more. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Hey, guys, it's a pleasure to meet both of you. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. You guys are the, um, the team behind uh, this fantastic new film on Netflix, which just came out on Friday. Uh, for those who are maybe listening to the podcast, um, it just premiered this past Friday on Netflix and, and, and it's called A Week Away. And uh, my kids and I watched it on Friday and we loved it. So it was a lot of fun. You, you, I might be a little too close to I wasn't expecting to be so much in your demographic. I, I, I was, I, I love I, it. the, the songs resonated with me a little too close to home. I, I kept looking at my kids going, I know this song too. Wait a I minute. So, so anyway, congratulations, you guys, how just right Thank off you. the bat, I don't, how does Netflix work? Do you get numbers? I mean, you know, opening weekend stuff, what's the feedback maybe you've received from Netflix and from other people? How's the film doing? Well, Netflix is phenomenally supportive. They have been this incredible this ent entire time. They're just an incredible team. The, we are uh, working with the family division, and um, but they're also very data driven. So they are waiting to collect data. So we should, 
see some more data after 10 days and then again after 28 days. But, you know, looking on what's available to everybody, we've been number four uh, domestically for the film side. And then between seven and 10 uh, on the overall Netflix uh, charting, which is amazing. And um, and then uh, globally been number one in Czech Republic and Brazil and Canada. And wow, just just in- incredible. You know, Netflix is a is a global com- is a global company. And oh. so I think that was the other thing that has blown us away is I think we don't realize here truly how global they are um and that they if you just look online you'll see our trailer in i think like 32 languages and which was which was amazing i mean the first time i think gabe sent me like a hindi trailer and seeing it in hindi (laughs) like where you spend all this time with this cast and stuff and editing and stuff and then you see them suddenly speaking hindi and everything sounds so much more angry in some of the languages, like not necessarily Hindi, but like the Greek one. The Greek one was the one. Greek was great. Yeah, it was like watching my big fat Greek wedding. But if, yeah, if you actually let the tr- if you let the credits roll, which most people don't ever watch the credits anymore on Netflix, but if you actually let it roll, you'll see all the different countries at the very end because they credit all the actors who did all the voiceovers, and it's it's phenomenal. You know, it's humbling. Um, I think it's incredible that a film that has such powerful undertones of faith, but also has dive and great adventure and baby, baby and place in this world and awesome God is being consumed so positively globally is, is really, is really humbling. You know, I I think it just shows a, I think the power of great content, the power of a great song. And I think it continues to show just how hungry people are for hope and light and faith and fun and inspiration. And you're not alone. So that's been pretty, that's been pretty, I think most overwhelming from them. And um, hopefully we'll get more statistics soon, but I think so far the response has been amazing. That's awesome. Now, uh, just so that our audience knows uh, Roman, you are, you were the director of the film. And then Gabriel, you or Gabe, you um, uh, were credited as one of the writers and one of the producers. And uh, and you uh, you are an Act One alum. Correct. And you went through the program, I think, you, did you say in 2012? Is that right? Yes, I believe that's right. Okay. Um, so I'd love to just hear about the process of you guys coming together and, and, and um, was it uh, you, Gabriel, um, cause I know there's other people in the team on, on the team as well. Um, how did the two of you, each of you, um, come to be a part of this project? Yeah. In 2015, I sat down, uh, with Alan Pell, who, um, is my, uh, co-creator and, and we co uh, produced this, uh, together. And we started brainstorming just about the loves in our life, the love of Christian music, love of our family, the love of wanting to continue to do film uh, oh, and over a bad cup of coffee down the street from here. We just started sharing all these different thoughts and ideas. And from that coffee um, came this came the birth of what we called church camp for many years. Um, we both had young kids. We both knew every Disney musical 
way too well. We, you know, we knew what a part of those sort of films had in our own households and just really started dreaming and believing that there was an opportunity to do that type of film, but a little bit differently. And, you know, there were certain things in a Disney film that aren't really ever said, you know, they're wonderful, they're magical, they're whimsical, they're not necessarily filled with great deep content, um, specifically undertones of faith. And, um, and we both came from this rich love of Christian music, you know, Chapman and Amy and Michael and all of them being huge influences on our lives and just thought, you know, wow, is there space here? Like you just said, where these songs will resound in a way um, for a generation um, again. And, uh, and so we just started really moving on that idea. And it was years of pitching and talking. And we did demos on it because every time we said church camp, people thought, mm, like, what is that? It sounds kind of campy. It sounds kind of cheesy. It sounds kind of kids boppy. And so we continued to try to have to prove ourselves on what that looked like. And so we did demos. We did a concept video um, so that we could really show people what we were thinking um and what then, was the what was the concept video like what did it consist of we did um uh we had a, a producer in la do um a, a rough recording i'd call it a rough in, in in music term of place in this world and um of great adventure because when we were talking about it no one really understood what we were hearing in our head when we talked about like these reimagination versions of these songs um and so we started uh, with that kind of first putting an audio to it so people could go, oh, that's that's what you mean when you say reimagine place in this world. And that's what you mean when you say reimagine great adventure. And then we realized that we probably needed a visual to go with it. So, you know, coming from the music world here and having lots of friends here, we, we brought together just a little team and we shot like a mock music video of place in this world with our Avery and our will and um and did a just short portion of the song okay so people could kind of see oh this is young and this is camp you know this is oh i see what you mean when you see these actors like you're not talking kids boppy and that was just a lot of the process was just trying to let people see what we had in our head um and then um come the end of 2018 um, I was recovering from some health issues and I really thought the, the idea had died and, um, I had kidney cancer and was in bed for 14 weeks. And, um, I really thought it was a, a great try. And, um, and at the end of that year, I, uh, I said, God, you're going to have to show me what you want me to do. Is this what you still want me to be a part of? You know, I think all of us get on that journey with the projects we become passionate about. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? I feel really passionate about it. And I think several weeks later, we got the call that um, we had an investor who uh, loved the idea and um, was ready to to fund us. So Wow. And did, how did this, was this an investor that had heard of it a long time prior and was just now coming around to it? Or did someone else get it to him? Or was or an them? investor that had a relationship with my co-producer? And, um, and they had been working on another idea and he brought this to her and she loved it. And so really just kind of worked, um, and, uh, was very supportive and, uh, came to the table, giving us the green light. So beginning of 19, 
we started really trying to put the team together. Um, and we really wanted to be intentional. We wanted to be um, as, as aggressive as possible in bringing the right people to the table and the music side, the choreography side, and definitely the directing side. And we just knew this was a different type of film that the, the feeling that we wanted the music to have on screen needed to be curated by somebody that really got that. And, you know, we, we were big fans of Greatest Showman and that director came from the music video world. And so we really felt like that approach could be really smart. And Roman and I had worked together 20 years ago and, um, and his name first came to mind. Uh, he is probably become one of the most prolific directors in the music video world in ha Nashville to toot his horn. He's done Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift and everybody. Um, you can see the little moon man behind him. Um, so uh, he uh, was definitely the first that came to mind. And so our relationship kind of came back together and um, we pitched this idea to him. And I think he first, well, I'll let him speak, but I think he first saw the title church camp <laughs> and, and i think like gabe said like everybody else like wah, wah, this is gonna be <laughs> super cheesy um now so Roman, was the script done before when they first came to you did they come with you with a script or was it just the idea no they, there was a first script and and i read it and i i did feel you know i, I wanted to inject you know a lot of myself onto the script and i had a lot of ideas and stuff and uh you know it was really important to me that we that we make this different than typical faith films. Like I wanted it to be something that everybody could see themselves in. And it wasn't, you know, so on the nose uh, and people would see it and not think immediately like it was just another typical faith film. So for me, I really wanted it to be very real. I wanted the teenagers to be struggling with the same stuff I struggled with, you know, as when it came to faith and all that stuff, all those questions and not to be afraid to, Put those questions out there and be real with them so uh i came back and i was like this is a really good idea it's like i would i would really like to do you know a rewrite on it and we talked about what i'd like to do and i kind of presented what the changes and things i would like to do in an outline and then i went and did a director rewrite and um and yeah i just i think took it to uh you know they had all the bones and everything there and i just kind of injected a lot of myself in it and and really tried to, because, you know, I am really, I will always be like a teenager inside. I mean, I love all the CW shows. <laughs> I mean, I'm basically a teenage girl in a man's body who loves all that stuff. <laughs> but I'm also a huge nerd. I like Legos and Star Wars and stuff. But um, yeah, just injected. I wanted it to have a very realness to it so that when people, you know, heard Church Camp or heard what the movie was about, when they sat down and watched it, they were surprised by it. And that's what we constantly get from it. So uh, did that. I signed I signed on. And, and yeah, we just went from there. Um, and yeah, we, we, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Roman. I'm sorry. And and we from there, you know, we started casting and all that stuff and trying to find the, you know, the perfect cast. Um, and, you know, uh, which which for which which for uh, which were a film like this, it's it, it, it's the most important like you have to have yeah uh, for, a, for a film that's going to resonate particularly with teenagers particularly teenagers uh who are who are uh, who are going to be watching a musical 
where they can identify themselves in a character, but right. they've got to, they've, they they've got to be able to sing and dance. They can't just be. They got to be able to sing, dance, act, look yeah. like, and have a kind of a, a bit of a charisma. And man, your cast just jumps off the screen. Yeah, we got really lucky with our cast. I mean, all of them are are great. And we, you know, when you're casting, you you know, you start to find the first couple of pieces, and then you start trying to find the other pieces that fit with them. You know, how are they all going to be together, and how are they all going to feel together, and you know, we really wanted there to be a variety, uh, you know, as far as representation and, you know, bringing Sherry in and Jabril and, you know, just having, you know, Kat, you know, I had to have the ginger representation because that's important to me. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, just. This is, not, this is an audio podcast for, so, okay, so uh, yes. that's the, uh, the, that not everyone will get that joke. But <laughs> I am gingery. Um <laughs> But yeah, we found this great cast. And and I think as a director for me, when we really started, you know, I wanted time with them in the beginning. And it was important for me that that all these, you know, we call them the kids, even though they're, you know, all in their early 20s. But it was important for me for them to become friends off screen as well as on because all that was going to translate to the screen. So I wanted them to learn each other's quirks and how they talk to each other and to come up with that shorthand, you know, that you just have when you know somebody really well. I mean, Gabe and I can give each other a look and instantly know <laughs> how the other one's feeling. So, and that all plays on camera, you know, when we were not shooting or rehearsing, you know, we would, I would say, okay, tonight, everybody's coming over to my house and we're just going to watch a movie and hang out and eat. And we would hang out and, and just go do stuff because I wanted them to become a little pack and and get to know each other. And I think all of that, really translates when you watch those relationships on screen. Yeah, we got we got really lucky. We um we looked high and low for this picturesque camp and um you know, we knew what we wanted in our head, you know, this quintessential, you know, backdrop for those that have been to camp and we also wanted it to be massive in scope and have this huge, you know, dining hall. Like we had all these things and it looked great on paper, but when we started to try to find it, it wasn't you know, it was, it was a lot harder. And um, lo and behold, we find our way out to a camp literally 30 minutes from where I'm sitting. And um, we had, uh, we had uh, been speaking to the Christian Camp and Conference Association, the CCCA, which is an entity that um, pretty much if you're a Christian camp or conference, you're a part of, and they've been pointing, they were pointing us to a bunch of different places and have been incredible partners and um but this one wasn't on their list and so we went out there and met the most kind supportive camp owner director at the ymca camp would you walk in that you could ever imagine and he jeff was a marriage. huge huge movie buff jeff marriage and just uh fell in love with this idea of being able to celebrate camp um and he pretty much opened his doors to us and um not only let us uh, be there for 20 days to shoot but gave us four weeks beforehand to pretty much create a camp before the camp and uh and roman was our fearless leader um our camp director for the cast and roman you were the camp director yeah and, next time if, yeah next time i'm gonna make sure i have a whistle i didn't realize <laughs> i was the camp director i had a whistle but I, I wish we had more BTS of that whole process because they literally let us take over buildings. And so we built a recording booth in a closet in their little music room. We had uh, moving uh, glass walls um, so that we can turn any room into a dance studio. 
Um, and we had our, you know, our PO in the craft room, uh, craft barn is what it was called. <laughs> and, um, and we just lived at camp for two months and the kids had a daily camp schedule. They'd be like with Roman for rehearsals and they'd go into the studio to do their vocals. And then they'd go with our choreographer to do a uh, choreography. And then, you know, we would do a fun activity at night. And so it really turned into this incredible bonding experience. Bailey, who's grown up on sets had never been to camp. So she thought she was potentially walking onto set. Um, she was walking wow. camp. and she walked onto real camp and, uh, it, it, her expression was just priceless. Cause she was like, I, I, I've never really gotten a chance to do this. So Welcome the thrill camp. that you see in Bailey is true because she had, she had never really had a chance to be a kid, you know, like, like that, which I think all shows and, and then we had Adam Watts, you know, there who comes from just an incredible pedigree of music with Camp Rock and High School Musical and, you know, a Disney writer. And so he had um, pretty much had all the tracks ready beforehand. So he walked in uh, uh, getting all the vocals uh, together and then finishing it all up on site. And so he was there pounding out vocals for hours with them. Um, Lena Narunas came um, and she just made magic happen and literally yeah four weeks with one week of choreography rehearsal it was unbelievable um she brought a crew from all over the country um but the to, whole the whole camp was just like scheduled like just, i'll never one of the things i remember the most is like when we first came in i mean the camp is huge all these buildings and stuff and something was going on everywhere and there was this main camp schedule that was like this alien graph and I first got the alien graph and Tamron, our line producer and Gabe learned how to read this alien graph. Well, I created I, the alien graph. You did create the alien graph with Mark at camp. And so it was basically every single location on camp, the times who was there, like it was insane. Like you needed like a, what do you call it when you have the little thing? The that shows you yeah, it was, it was nuts. And so I, the first time I saw it, I was like, what? is this madness <laughs> like how do you read this and and gabe sat down with me and taught me the ways of the the madness and then um, i knew how to read it and there were literally like four of us that knew how to read this crazy graph well, we had we had an active camp happening happening around us so they still yes. had camp happening they still had retreats happening so you had to schedule around making sure yes. that yeah so yeah. when we were in the dining hall we had to be in there when like on the two days that there wasn't a camp on site and when we were you know, on the on the beach, we had to be there on the three days that nobody was on the beach. So everything was this constant calculation of working around an active an active camp. And we did it. We did not have one day where we were on top of each other. OK, um, it was, it was let's let's there. let's I want to I want to actually keep going with the story, but I actually want to talk just a little bit. about. I want to nerd out for my producing friends here because this sounds like a pre pro nightmare slash joy for people who really <laughs> like pre-pro right like so so um so basically you had four weeks to if, if i'm hearing you right you had four weeks to um basically rehearse all the choreography and music and dance and get everything with everybody all together th that four weeks before you started filming is that what i'm hearing that's correct yeah. and yeah, so 
and there were also like days I remember when all of our production was in the craft barn at camp. And I remember there was one point we had to move out of the craft barn for two days because some nuns were coming in to do pottery. <laughs> and then when they were done doing pottery, we would go back to the craft barn. So we would, I remember we would slide all of our like crafty and snacks and stuff in the fridge over this corner. And I'd be like, those nuns better not touch our snacks. These are production <laughs> snacks. We're coming back. But it was, it was stuff like that. Like a, just a constant kind of weird sometimes times yeah. that you would have to move and shift, but, but it all worked because of his mad, mad graph. Well, really I think my, my years of artist management, my years of touring, my years of, you know, doing schedules with artists and, you know, all came into play where, you know, we basically created a, you know, a complicated, you know, schedule between all of our three main departments that just worked. And I think if we had had to, take cast to an offsite studio or take cast to an offsite choreo, you know, rehearsal room, it would have been impossible because it, uh, the, it, we were only, I think, truly able to get everything into the time period that we had because it was literally 10, 20 feet all from one another. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, so how many people were on your, how many people were, were in production uh, helping you with pre-production? Oh, I, in pre-production, we had very, a very limited staff. Um, I mean, our second AD didn't come in. Our first AD and second AD didn't come in until the week before production started. Okay, so good. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff I want people to hear. So it was like, so you had, it was you, I don't know who else on your producing team. We had our line producer, uh, myself. I think we had maybe a couple PAs. I think, I mean, really during rehearsals, we had our two other producers on site. We had our music team. Then we had our choreography team that came in the last two weeks. Um, and you had to have a contracts done four weeks out, right? Cause you already bringing it, you were bringing talent in. So your contracts had to be done already. Right. Yep. So we had pretty much all of our talent documentation getting buttoned up <laughs> like a week before rehearsals were supposed to start yeah. you know because uh, we had we did uh casting here we did casting in la our casting directors went to atlanta i think they went to one other market as well so um we just got well we did, and bev holloway bev holloway bev, amazing yeah. Beverly I love Holloway. Bev. She's a fantastic casting director. And Regina Moore also helped. Regina Moore here in Nashville. And they were just spectacular and just knew the heartbeat of this film, knew what we needed. And so we actually found um, Kevin in L.A., Bailey in L.A., Jabril in L.A. Um, we saw the self-tape of Kat Connor Sterling. Um, She's from Memphis. Who is from Memphis. She wasn't able to make Nashville, so she sent in the most amazing self tape. We had everybody on the floor. So and we the sad had, thing is, is like the scene that she did, like didn't end up making the movie, and it's so funny. And if if we get to make more a week away movies, I want that scene. Cat is is Presley. Um, yes, Presley. You saw a little little tiny bit of it when she has the peas on her face. Yeah. But we hadn't met Kat until she showed up on on uh, for rehearsals. Yeah, and, she, and Ian we, was from Nashville. And Ian, we 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 met out of Nashville. Our um our choreographer came out of L.A. and she brought dancers from all over the country. 
So she was doing, um, they called it a skeleton crew. So she was rehearsing and doing choreography in LA with her skeleton crew, sending us videos to see what they were doing. And that's how we were pretty much going back and forth, getting ready for her to show up with choreography done. Um, and then Adam was also creating and working and then really finished all of it here once we got here. So it, it, once everybody got here in that four week period, it was game on. I mean, we had wow. a, a short window to get everybody prepped. That's and it was 20 and it was 20 shoot days. How many shoot days? 21, 21 shoot days. And then how, how, uh, 10 hour days, 12 hour days. What were you shooting? Uh, Cause everyone, everyone was over 18, right? So you didn't yes. have to. Okay. Yeah. Um, usually 12 hour days, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, and did yeah. everyone live? Did everyone live on the camp over the twenty-one days, or you were break? People were coming in and out. No, the I know the dancers lived on the camp in the okay. cabins. Uh, cast were in ho- in a hotel off camp. Of course, people that lived here, like I slept in my own bed because I lived fifteen minutes from the which, camp, which was which amazing. Is, that's got to be so nice. Yes. It was so nice. I got to. We were literally. We were also editing the movie uh, in my office at my house. Wow. We were, production so i would basically bring a drive home every day i would look through stuff when i came home obsessively and then i would leave it on the desk for the editors to come in in the morning now roman was is this your is this the first feature film you've directed no no i did uh i've done another one called summer forever that was with uh disney and relativity Okay, got it. Okay, because I was going to say, if this was your first feature and you got to shoot 15 minutes from your house and edit in your office, you're forever spoiled. No, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, we looked, like Gabe said, we looked all over the place at camps and happened to find this one. And you walk in and you're like, okay, it's huge and there's tons of stuff to go- do and it's amazing and I can sleep in my bed. Yes, <laughs> I'm in. I mean, it's the same lake I grew up on. <laughs> it's it was crazy um yeah, so we, had... go ahead jim go ahead i'm sorry oh no, no go and, ahead. Uh, and when a uh, production started i mean one of the things i remember most when people started showing up like it felt like there were fewer and fewer golf carts so it's like golf cart wars started like i need to get somewhere where's the golf cart <laughs> oh so and so just took it so that became like a big thing like and then probably halfway through production it was like you drop your key in this box you sign it out like it became a whole thing the golf cart thing so the, the battle for the who gets the rise who it gets was. who gets rides a first refusal to the yeah. to and the there was also cart. the one really great fast golf cart and all the other ones were slow so gabe would always take the fast one if he knew i wanted it so <laughs> And vice versa for everyone. Like you could get the fast one. And if you knew you're on the fast one, you'd pass all the others just wave. Like I bought the fast golf cart. <laughs> um, so Gabe, were you guys fully financed uh, day one or were you still raising funds? We were fully financed. You were fully financed. And what about, um, what was the original? Um, and, and I'm sorry, let's take a step back. When, when did you guys film this? We filmed this in August, September of 19. Okay. So this was pre-COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the distribution plan and strategy at that point? Um, I think our hope was that we would get this film in uh, initial edit and then be able to start shopping it around. You know, we had had some initial conversations with several distributors. We had actually had an initial conversation with Netflix, and I think everybody was intrigued, but everybody wanted to see what we brought to the table. And so this really was the ultimate like. You got to prove it. You got to prove what you what you see in your head. Yeah, I I think everybody 
kind of saw what we were wanting to do, but were ready for us to deliver it. And so, and theatrical was a legitimate option that you guys were looking at because that was the traditional path, right? Yeah, absolutely. We came into first quarter of 20, um, ready to have multiple conversations. And we did, we had multiple, 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 multiple conversations talking about theatrical, talking about partners, talking about different ways to do this. Um, we were on winter jam, winter jam is a major Christian tour, uh, arena tour. And we had a live set happening. Um, Kevin, our lead was out doing a five minute set promoting the film. Cause we thought we were going to potentially have a release at the end of 20. Um, and we were seeing this response from this audience, just this crazy response. And so we were shooting all this footage to be able to show in our distribution, you know, conversations, <laughs> of like, I, I think we got it. Like, and, and the response wasn't just mild. I mean, having done touring for a long time, there are moments, there are a few moments you walk into an arena and the air gets just sucked out of the room. When Kevin sat on stage, sat, came out on stage. And then we had dive footage and great adventure footage and place in this world. And the crowd was just crazy. So it was really this fun, um, almost test audience opportunity to have where we could really see, I think, I think, I think we got it. Like, I think we got what we were hoping for. Like we all, like you said, my, our hope was that our generation would get these songs and jump up and be excited about kind of what they were hearing, but that also this younger generation would receive these as brand new songs. And I think to be able to have some of that content and bring back was really a gift for us. Uh, you know, most filmmakers wouldn't really be able to have that opportunity as we were walking into, into, into meetings. Um, and then Netflix really stepped up and, and fell in love with it. That's great. That's really smart too. I mean, and what a great platform uh, with winter jam to be able to do something like that and to have that immediate response and feedback and, and that's that's got to look great, like you said, for distributors. Look great for, um, for all kinds of you know for all kinds of reasons. For for you, Roman, you um, <clears throat> did. At, at, I'm teasing you about this, but I'm kind of not, <laughs> because the par- the parallels are a little are a little um, uncanny. Did you? Did you set out to find the next Zach Efron when when <laughs> casting Kevin? Because you know, like because um I, I know a lot of social media is talking about this, and um, but um, I mean, obviously your film has gotta hang on those two main characters, but particularly him because it's his journey. And mm-hmm. so we're really following him. And and um, I mean, this kid is just I keep saying kid. I know he's not a kid. He, he plays one on TV, but, but, uh, literally, uh, literally, literally, uh, he was great. And, and I just, he was a, he just, um, he was a wonderful, it was a wonderful performance by, by him. And I'm just curious about the, your casting process for your two male leads, you know, Bailey has, has a little bit of that following. And so did mm-hmm. she come to the project first and, and then the whole process of finding him, what, what, what was it? What was it like? Well, we were in uh, L.A. doing casting and, you know, literally live casting where people would come in and read for the parts. Um, and Beverly just uh, uh, tried to cast Bailey for another film. And 
showed us a video from her previous taping for that film. And it's like, yes, bring her in. If she wants to come in, I'd love to see her. Um, and Kevin had actually uh, tried out for Sean originally. And he was amazing. I was like, we found our Sean. He's so good. And yeah. so then, then Kevin asked if he could read for Will. And so we we're like, yeah, absolutely. And so he came in and killed Will. It's like, great. Now we don't have a Sean, <laughs> but we have a Will. So Kevin quickly climbed uh, to the top of the board for Will. And then uh, I think Bailey then came in and she was amazing. Uh, we had several people come in for George and, and it started to become a thing of, okay, we kind of are leaning towards these two people for Will, for Will and Avery. Now who fits best with them for George and who gives us kind of that fun, quirky edge. Uh, same with Kat, like who would be fun with Jabril. You know, it really starts where you find the people that you really like, but then you start trying to mix and match and figure out what the puzzle looks like. Uh, with Ian, we were, we were doing a casting, another live casting in Nashville. And Ian came in and uh, tried out for Sean and was just amazing. And one of the things I loved about Ian is he came in and he, instead of, he's the one that kept calling them like, you know, this way, gentlemen, and this way, gentle, like he, he added yeah. that. And I just thought that's just so smart because he's kind of the, you know, kind of the, the old soul yeah. trying to be the proper, I'm a man now guy in a weird soft way. Yeah. Um, and he was also just very charismatic and, and unexpected, also a ginger. So that <laughs> um, I just realized there's two. Wow. Got the quota. Um, but but he came in and he was awesome. And, and he also is a very kind of different look from everybody else. So we really tried to have a nice variety in, in looks and also in personalities. And and you really try and figure out who fits together. And and even when we were we'd kind of fit picked our favorite Wills and Averys, we kind of had them come in and do chemistry reads together, where we had our top Wills and our top Averys, and we'd have them come in and read together and see who felt good together. Um yeah, and, and Bailey and Kevin were great. Um, and we just had a lot of fun on set. And they really worked well together. And, yeah, we just we became a small little camp family. But, but, but you're telling me there were no conversations where, man, this kid, he has a little bit of Zac oh, Efron. Oh, yes, the Zac Efron thing. <laughs> that did come up several times. I think Beverly mentioned it. Um, yeah, we were always, there was always conversation. Well, does he, is it weird we're doing... A musical and we kind of like little Zach Efron over here and um and he is I mean he does he does look like Zach Zach Efron and sometimes he looks a lot like him and sometimes not um funny, I don't see it like maybe it's just me yeah you know no, I, no, it's, it's this too. weird thing where it's like I it, Roman you nailed it it's some scenes he looks like yeah. him it's I don't a, know what it is it's like it's some scene angle and then yeah yeah, uh, but Kevin also has this, and I tell him this all the time. He has just like the most amazing smile, like when he really lights up. Like his smile is just amazing. Like it's just an amazing smile. And but that confrontation and, scene that was the that was the seal that sealed the deal for both of them. That very yeah, end on yeah. the road, we hadn't we didn't give that scene to everybody, but when when they came back in, and I remember when Bailey did that scene, and when Kevin read that we knew we found them. It was, it was that, I think it was real. It was, it was seen that they could also carry that moment. Yeah. 
you know, which we knew was going to be a really important moment in the film. And could they also do that as much as they could do the fun and the light and the dancing? Like, could they also really carry the heart of what we wanted this film? And when they both did it, we were sold. And it's it's kind of one of those moments where, you know, you have these papers in front of you where you've been making notes and you have headshots and stuff. And, and you, you know, you're sitting there very cool and you're really blown away, but you don't want to show it. And so they walk out and then you just throw your papers in there. It's like, well, that's Avery. I mean, I can't say that while she's in here, but <laughs> you need to go get her for me. Yeah. Like, just make this happen. And, yeah. and that's the way it was. I mean, when you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just that easy, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of usually know within, you know, five minutes whether somebody's right or not, whether they're yeah. a contender. Um, but yeah, they were great. And, and they just fit. I mean, all the pieces came together. So, so let me ask you a question. Uh, question about a a very you guys made a very strategic creative choice um and and gave a little bit to the point of even the original concept i'm curious why did you decide to go with i feel like it was even over over half of over half of the songs were covers is that right there's only three or four, four originals is that right there's and four mm-hmm. four originals and um why did you guys decide to go with to go with covers instead of uh, an entire original soundtrack? Was there a consideration that you guys uh, at one point did you consider doing all original? And I'm just curious what the um, I mean it. I think you know hindsight's 2020. Pretty probably pretty smart on your part. It's just for marketing and for parents knowing having a connection to the content. But I'm just wondering the 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 why that what what was behind that creative choice you know i think we came from just being huge fans of christian music and and i think we knew what that meant to us on our journey and and the soundtrack those songs played in our life and so you know the initial conversation i think just started there what if we reinvented these songs so that we could also speak to our own generation that they're that that just as excited to introduce these songs to their to their own kids but let's also we tried also to be very intentional and adam and the writing team were so great at this is but let's just not do a simple cover of it like let's reinvent it so that for a new audience who never heard Stephen Curtis Chapman's a real, real uh, original version, they would have no idea. So I think it was that challenge that our our our, t- our music team really just nailed was we did do covers, but we also tried to completely reinvent them, and then we really kept those original moments for for the right moments. Like we knew we wanted to say something in that good enough scene that probably didn't exist in a cover. And so that was always one we knew we needed to write for and the where I belong scene on, scene on the road and the ending song. Like we, we also though wanted to make sure we just didn't shoehorn in a song because it was a great cover. And so I think that was a lot of our balance, like using those right covers, but also knowing when an original song was really the better choice. 
So did you know that you were going to get the rights to them already? Like, did was it the song, then the scene, or did you write the scene? Like, like for instance, uh, Dive, right? So with Dive, did you know you wanted to use that song or did you write the scene and then go, this would be a great place. Oh, that Stephen Curtis set must be. But then like, because part of the problem that we have when we teach screenwriting and things like that is be careful with using songs that you can't get the rights to, right? That are going to be too um, uh, too buried into your um, story that you're. it's going to change something. So yeah. did you, chicken or the egg there? Like, was it, did you know you had the rights or what well, was? I'll say something right here. Gabe is the getting licenses to songs like fairy godmother. He knows the music world. He's lived in it. He knows everybody. He can get anybody on the phone. And so if you want to get a song, you want to know Gabriel Vasquez, not Gabe. Gabe Gabriel. Yes. So that this is when you know Gabriel. Gabriel is amazing. Um, But no, he he did in and when in the regional script, they definitely had songs in there. They definitely had uh, a great adventure in there and place in this world. Dive was in there and there were some others that got changed. So I think chicken or egg, I think it's kind of a little of both. I think there were some that planned and then there were some that evolved and turned into different songs along the way. But it was it's it's a great question because this was probably one of the most strategic parts we had to work on because we could not shoot until we had clearance on those songs which is very backwards, you know, when you're, you know, typically doing song placement, you know, you finish it and then you go back and well, we had to have all that ready beforehand because we couldn't shoot a whole song and then obviously not be able to get the clearances for it. So we definitely started with pillars that we wrote around, like Roman said. Um, and so moments like dive were curated for dive, you know, moments for like great adventure were curated for, for great adventure. Um, I think place in this world was always one that we knew had to have its moment. And then others kind of found its way. Others came in and we moved around and kind of played with. So that was, it was a little bit of, of both, but then, and so we had an incredible um, music admin, Ken Johnson came on board who, who's been in, in, in admin for years and years and years and years with me. And so we had this constant, um, uh, white sheet of songs that we were out with the publishers getting um, clearances on and making sure that they were all going to be cool. And, and Capital Music was probably one of the, the largest publishers that held most of the rights. And, um, and we started conversations with them probably at the beginning of the year, uh, knowing we needed to give enough time to really have that ready and buttoned up before we committed to it going into, into even we had to have that pretty much buttoned up before our music guy started recording music, yeah. which happened months even before we got on, on, on set. So it was a really interesting dance, but I think because of the, the music background I came from that, that was very helpful and Ken and knowing the world inside and out as well, we were really able to get everybody to get excited and give us the clearances um, and give us the pre-approvals that we needed to go into it. And something else I think people may not realize when you're doing a musical, when you're doing a, a normal feature and you're just doing needle drops, you know, you can kind of pick those after or during, you know, you don't really have to plan all this around the movie, but when you're doing a musical, like all those tracks pretty much have to be almost mastered before you start shooting because we're shooting to them. 
So Adam and his team had to, you know, that's why we were recording vocals during rehearsals because he had to create these, you know, not the final masters, but pretty close to where they would match what we were shooting. So there was a lot of, a lot of music work that had to be done before we even rolled on the first day, um, which is a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of you, those pre-pro nerds. We, we love that. We love all that work. Um, so look, movies are made of moments and I judge films by the moments that I remember that, that hang on to me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there's a, there's a moment in your film that's really nice. You guys, and Roman, well, first of all, for people who haven't seen the film yet, and we highly encourage you guys to watch it this week on Netflix to get that data in there for them. Um, but Roman, you shot the heck out of this film. I mean, I don't know what this camp looks like, but it, but it, it, the film looks great. Mm. And um, thank you. It, 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 uh, it, like this film looks like anything else made um, by a, by a major studio that's also playing on Netflix right now. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make this about bashing, uh, Christian films, but, oh, well, I will. Um, <laughs> this doesn't, this doesn't look like a Christian film. It doesn't, here's the truth. What we understand in the sub genre that is Christian film, this film doesn't look like it's in that genre. It doesn't feel like it's in that genre. And yet it's the most overt Christian film I've seen in a long time. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, it's like, boom, immediately, you know, they start, I think that it's the very first song you have Sherry Shepard singing about the Bible with the great event. Like it's like, boom, we just start out right away. And um, so you have, you know, you have all those things going, but for me, there's, obvious there's 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 one moment for me there's there's a there's a couple but there's one i want to talk to you one in particular i want to talk to you about and that is um the um the campfire scene Mm. um that that god only knows awesome god medley scene moment is um really well done and um there's a real um, beauty to it because you did something that smart filmmakers do, which is you connected it to the emotion of what the characters were going through. It's a character beat. So that scene is an actual character beat, but the way you film it, the kind of the, and the, 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 the way the songs play out and the way you chose to blend them together, it's just a really smart scene. I wonder if you could um, take, take me through the process of of creating that scene. What was the origin of that scene and who had the idea of combining those two songs? And then just, just uh, some of your thoughts in designing that scene. Well, I mean, when we, uh, I mean, the original script did have a campfire scene in it, but it was more, you know, typical church camp, you know, kind of reading Bible verses and stuff like that. And we went and did the rewrite. Like we knew, you know, Gabe was, Gabe's very good about, you know, we have to capture these moments because these are, moments that campers remember. So we have to have these staple things and the campfire night, the kind of worship night was that moment. But it was always important for me that it not just be we're around a campfire doing Bible verses stuff. Like I wanted to move the story forward. Um, And we'd always talked about Awesome God. And I I wanna say Awesome God was maybe in the original, I can't remember. But uh, 
Steve Barnett uh, knows King of Country very well and had brought up uh, God Only Knows using that there. And so we talked around, I was like, it's just not really right. And so then I kind of had the idea of Awesome God was great, but Will's character's really in kind of a dark, weird moment. And so whatever we did there had to capture that dark moment because it wasn't honest for him to just jump into Awesome God. Like I wanted to feel his character go through something there. And so I remember coming in, you know, we were having meetings and stuff about this. And I remember saying, you know, this might sound crazy, but I kind of played them side by side. And I am not, I can direct music all day and and dance around my house and listen to music, but I'm not the music guy. So I don't know beats and all this stuff. Gabe's always having to explain. I mean, I've done hundreds of music videos, but Gabe can still say, you know, oh, that's the this, this. And I'm like, what's that? It's like, it's where the song does this. But came in, I was like, you know, this might sound crazy, but what if we merge these two? Like, did a mashup of these? Because I think it'll be cool, but I don't know. It might work. And that way we can get inside of Will's head and have kind of this darkness and this sadness while this joy is going on around him. Um, and it's a very real moment. I mean, we've all been in a moment like that. And so, uh, you know, Adam went and tried it and... The first iteration was really good. I know that we tweaked it a bunch, but but it just worked. And then then when we were on on um, on camp, like recording the masters, I remember one day Gabe came to me and he's like, you know, because originally it was just going to be Kevin singing the God Only Knows part, the Will character. Like Bailey wasn't going to sing any. And I remember Gabe coming to me and he's uh, and he knows me very well. I'd be the little he comes over and he's like, hey, I want to plant something in your head as an idea and uh, planted the idea. Uh, and I think he and Bailey had talked about it of, of Bailey singing some of that song too. And of course, you know, I jump off my creative ledge. Me, it's like, that's not right. That's not gonna work. That's crazy. It's crazy. And he's like, well, let's just try it. Let's talk about it. Let's try it. And so um, I'm also a very rational person. And I tell anybody, if you can talk me into it and it's the right thing, I will listen. If you can prove to me that it's the right thing or just talk me into it. Um, and they did, they talked me into it and it was amazing. So I'm so glad we did that. And that, you know, Bailey and Gabe pushed me in that direction. And I think Adam too, I think Adam wanted to do it. Um, and then it just worked. And we had this amazing scene that just is on the edge of like, you have all these kids who are in this place of connection and this one kid who's lost. And also what I love about that scene is, you know, Avery Bailey's character, um, you also see inside of her, like, you know, and, and Bailey really, I will give Bailey credit for, you know, that piece of Avery. Like I remember when we were early into rehearsals and stuff and we were talking about the garden scene and, um, uh, and she, she brought up the thing, you know, like, you know, I feel like we should really dive into the, the idea of Avery being perfect, like everybody thinking she's perfect. And that's what she deals with because a lot of girls deal with that. And so me not being a teen girl or ever experienced that, you know, Bailey and I really talked about that. And so we kind of evolved Avery's character, you know, that she was also fractured in a way, like, like we all are, even if on the surface we seem perfect, we're not. I mean, we still have doubts and pain and all this stuff she was going through. So, so when we kind of, you know, those, those two songs collided in that moment. And then you have these amazing up people. And then you have these two people who are in their own moment 
feeling the same thing at the same time, it's kind of incredible. And it just really worked. And, and Bailey and Kevin both like just killed that scene. I mean, and that was a really hard night. We shot that night and the tribunal on the same night in one night. We went right from pick your team, Dave's dressed as Braveheart, everybody cheering to that. So, wow. and, you know, racing the, the giant ball of fire in the sky, hoping wow. it wouldn't show its ugly head until we needed it to. But wow. yeah, it was it was a really powerful night too. And what I love about that scene as well is I just think it's such a great example of collaboration. Like everybody listening, everybody giving their part. Absolutely. You know, all the producers were full on hard in. You know, Steve had been moved by that verse and he brought that. Like everybody was just really bringing their own self to it. And, and I think that's what you see is just this beautiful collaboration. And Bailey was so adamant about wanting to show a side of a believer, you know, yeah. a non-perfection side, a, a side. That's yeah. And I think that was such a great addition as well, you know, and, and Kevin was, you know, just in it. Like I just remember him just being in that moment. Cause that was such a pivotal, pivotal part. I mean, we even had, long conversations on when will Kevin stand up? When mm-hmm. will you see him join in? And, yeah, and so I just point where we were shooting it. And I, I was thinking he's going to stand up at this. I remember Steve was like, well, I think he should stand up here. And like, literally while we were shooting it, it's okay. We'll shoot it this way and this way. And they were right. Like where I wanted him to stand up was so wrong. It just <laughs> wasn't the right place. Um, yeah. So that yeah, is, it was, it was a great collaboration. And that's what I love about that is just, you know, Steve, Alan, myself, Bailey, Kev, Adam, Roman, like I just, that's where I just really think you see the beauty of all of those, those hearts and minds coming together. And from a storytelling perspective, and and, and also from a spiritual <laughs> perspective, the, uh, you know, one of the things that this genre isn't known for is um, showing duality yes showing subtext and you had that in this scene and and i think that even for my kids watching it for teenagers my kids aren't teenagers yet thank god uh but um for for the for the audience for this film in particular to see a vulnerability to see an honesty to to see um in the midst of I, i think you said it so well i think roman you said in the midst of joy to have someone with questions, to have someone with doubts, fears, anxieties. Um, that's real. That, that's a that's a real thing for all of us. And to show that to show uh, just a kind of a nice, quiet, intentional moment like that, there's a real authenticity to it that I think will resonate with your audience, maybe even much further than you guys. Uh, maybe even would realize or intended. I just think that there's something there. Um, and I was, um, I was really impressed with that. So um, it's a great, it's a great moment. And, and the, and the song's great. Like that, that out of everything, I'm like, I want to, I want to own that. I want to go find that medley yeah. on, on, uh, on iTunes. I mean, it was, it was always really important for all of us that this had a very real feeling to it. Like I didn't want, none of us wanted to talk down to teenagers. I mean, being a teenager, 
is so hard and there's so <laughs> much doubt. And I remember when I was a teenager having those questions and questioning God and questioning my faith and, you know, uh, all of that. And so I think, you know, we really pushed each other in each, in each direction and we came into a really good place, but just, you know, being real with teenagers, being real with the audience, like it's not all perfect. It's, it's hard sometimes, but you can get through it. And if you trust people and believe in yourself, you can get through this, but it's not the yellow brick road. Sometimes it's hard to get there, but if you allow people into your life, you'll get there. Yeah. And, and by the way, and then from a technical standpoint, how many people were in that scene? It was like 40 people. I think like four. We just duplicated them. No, that's a joke. CGI item. CGI there were item. a lot of people. Gabe Gabe called in like a youth group. Um, there were a lot of people. Uh, but it, I would like say 40 plus. Yeah, 40 plus, yeah. 50, like, 50, something like that. Yeah, my point to that is uh, if any anyone who's ever done anything like this knows, that's a hard, that's a hard, um, that's hard to block. <laughs> like you, yeah. you did a really good job filming filming crowd scenes are way more difficult than people realize. And you have that space that you're where you have a fire going. You have like, there's all these other kind of components that you did a really nice job um, um, with the blocking and the shooting of that scene. Right. Well, thank you very much. I mean, we did have enough people for that one, but a funny crowd story for the movie is when we did the talent show, we were supposed to have, uh, what was it? 200 extras show up that night and 82 showed up. So that's where that's where Kamikaze Music Video Film School came into play because uh, James King, the the DP, and I, who've worked with each other several times, we were basically hurting people, and you know, and everybody was in the beginning of the night, like uh, producers and other people were freaking out. What are we going to do? We can't fill this whole big space. And James and I, well, we're just going to hurt them. We'll just move them. We'll move them around like we do in music videos when we don't have a budget. And we did, and you would never know that we did not have the full 200 people there. So, but that was an interesting awesome. night because yeah. I remember the moment. It's like, how many people showed up? <laughs> Nobody, no more people are coming. So I, that, rem- that reminds me of a. I, I shot something once where I um, had a funeral scene, and I told him I didn't want a, a lot of extras in the in the audience in the um, in the um, pews. Um, and I, we had a choir on the, on the stage. And then when we get there and they, they only had a literal few. And I was like, what have you done? Like, I have to have more people than this. So we took the choir so that when you reverse it, the choir's wearing robes on the stage, but when they're, they're in street clothes. And so you never knew that my extras. <laughs> That's the, the way you do it. You're the smart man. I would have put um, wigs on them. I would have done whatever I had to do. <laughs> Um, th- th- so the, um, the editing process, so you, you, uh, shoot 20 days. Um, did you have to do any reshoots or pickups or anything? Uh, no, we didn't do any reshoots or pickups. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't do any pickups or reshoots. So we, we pretty much edited while we were shooting just so, you know, that's just a smart way to do. And then we had like yeah. a, a month of editing after that to get the, the first director's cut done. Any major changes in the edit or did you, did we, are we watching what you shot? Pretty much watching what we shot. I mean, the biggest thing for me, like when I, when I personally write, I tend to write long. So the page count does not end up matching what's on screen. And so the first cut, 
uh, ended up being like 70 minutes. So me and Parker, the editor, had to figure out how to add another 10 minutes. Like the there, there was never supposed to be a big house montage. No. <laughs> so that that thing came to birth because I needed time. And so I was like, what can I do? I need to get this at least to 90 minutes. Uh, and we did Warrior Day, or yeah, the, the big house montage. I called Gabe and I was like, I know this song's supposed to be at the end of the movie, but can I use it again in like a montage? So we expanded it and it ended up being a lot of fun. I mean, all that footage in Warrior Day was just honestly supposed to be a little bit of B-roll here and there. Huh. We just turned it It was going to be in Dive, movie. remember? Wasn't it originally yeah, going to yeah. be part of Dive? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so... Uh, Gabe, the the film is done. It's edited. You guys are really happy with it. Um, so take us through the the because there's so many people who are going to be listening to this podcast going, how do you get? How do I get my film on Netflix? And it's like, well, first make a great film. So um, magic, magic. Yeah, it's magic. But but for you, what was the process of um, of um, talking to Netflix, having them watch it? and getting that response that they wanted it. Well, we had had a conversation very early on with Netflix. So they were aware and I think watching the family division uh, and very excited, I think, to see what we brought back. Um, and um, and then uh, we brought on CAA as well. So CAA came on, their sales division came on board to continue those conversations. Um, and, uh, and then that's, you know, it was between that relationship and then the relationship that was already at hand with Netflix that really we ushered the, a cut back into them and they fell in love with it. You know, they just, I think it resonated with them. I think it was where they wanted to be. I think the family division was really looking for something like this. The head of the family division came from Disney. And, uh, and so I think she was excited to see something of that feeling and style from from her past and so um really from that moment on they were just incredible partners like they came on board um and really uh made the film their own you know they they came alongside us um we added an additional song the whole opening uh let's go make a memory um we uh, brought on additional posts they brought on you know the the guys that just finished spielberg's west side story um, they brought on to mix, uh, our film as well. That's great. So, that's cause that I, I I'm watching that. I'm watching that title sequence and I'm going, this is an expensive title. Sequence. It, was, it was a nice, nice, uh, <laughs> sequence, but that, that was a lot of their partnership. You know, they, they, they really felt, which, uh, I, I, I'm really glad we did that. We needed to start the film and you knew what it was that immediately it, it felt like a musical. Um, I, I, I know you can't talk. I know you, you probably can't talk, you know, hard numbers, but from a investor perspective to kind of going forward, um, it was a, you guys were very satisfied with the overall deal and, and how it all turned out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it turned out to be a great situation for everybody. And for, this was my second film and, um, you know, I had a co-executive producer role on the film before. And so I think you know, for myself and I think everybody's trying to, you know, have a, a successful first foot forward. Um, it definitely has been that, you know, for, for myself and for our producing um, partners over at Monarch, you know, I, I think we would all call this a phenomenal success, you know, and I think Netflix has been incredible partners and I, we were 
have been very blessed for them to come on board. I think of everything that's happened this year that we're all very aware of. Um, even separate from that, if that hadn't happened, I think Netflix w- is definitely hands down the the best approach for this type of film. Um, no, I, I I I smell a. I smell a sequel. I don't <laughs> surely, I hope, I hope surely you guys good. are surely you guys are so strategic. You've already got the the script written, ready to go for the sequel, right? Is that the is well, we left <laughs> as you can tell, we left a lot of little a little uh gems to potentially pick up on. Um, and we're all very excited. I think we're hoping that we continue to see a great re- response. You know, I think that will guide Netflix's decision on if they want to move forward. Um, we would love to do it, obviously, I think. But so far, I, f- I feel like this community and those that are consuming it are really loving it. And so I hope that gives us the chance. And now I have a question regarding um, that I know a lot of people want to know, which is I mentioned earlier, the, the film is is overtly Christian. I mean, there is no there's no ambiguity whatsoever uh, with this film, with the story. It is um, um straight straightforward as you could get the where i know some people want to know was there any comments made um with with netflix or maybe any other distributors that you were negotiating with prior that maybe wanted things toned down that maybe were uncomfortable did you did you have to deal with any of that or no that people were completely open with the product that you were delivering them it you know surprisingly not i think we had maybe prepared ourselves for potentially that sort of conversation but i think the film is what it is like you see it it is what it is you can't cut around entire songs um you know and i think what we d- really did try to do though is let the songs carry a lot of the faith and not try to add faith on top of faith, we were very also intentional with that. So let's let kids talk like kids. And most kids don't talk very Christian easy in everything that they say. So let them be kids, you know, let them have real conversations and then let this environment and let uh, the music and let the what naturally would happen at church camp play in to that, to the faith side of things. So you're, you can't, Ignore, you can't not see it, but we also tried not to add it on top of itself, if that makes sense. And and then we really took a lot of time. I, I appreciate you kind of bringing up the, the, the fireside scene, the campfire scene. We took a lot of time also in the garden scene, in the confrontation scene, and trying to be really real in those conversations. And that was a constant voice from my own 14 and 15-year-olds, like, Dad, please don't talk like 60 year old men, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, please. And I remember being even on, on at a writing table with all of us. And we were talking about that garden scene and where, and where they're talking about faith and Will says, you believe that a hundred percent, you know, and calling up our fifth, my 15 year old and saying, okay, what would you say to this? If someone, if someone said that to you and, and she would say, I would say this. And so we really tried to not lose That's great. contact. I was with- like, oh my God, we have to really call the 15 year old again. <laughs> really tired of it. But I just, you know, I think that was, I, you know, I mean, we, it, I just, I, I feel like that constant compass for us 
Um, we tried to stay really true too. And, uh, and I think when our partners and Netflix saw it, they loved it for that. They loved it for that. And they never pushed us, pushed back on it. They, they were never this, you know, big, bad mainstream partner that some may think they may be, or they're going to want to sexualize it or whatever you think someone's going to potentially want to do never happened. They, they supported it. They loved it. They poured into it. They encouraged it. Um, and I think that's, sorry, I just think, I just think that will be a, is, is a huge part of the success of this is instead of trying to make it something it wasn't, they really let it be everything that it was meant to be. Um, celebrated our iconic artists, celebrated, you know, all of our partners in music. Um, and I think even if you see from the marketing side, they're not shiny, shying away from pulling those clips and pulling all those things. And they're, they're not. And I think that is, uh, is, is something that is making this film get the response it is because they really have embraced it. And so I think that's a big, a been a big part of this process for us. And I'll also say like Netflix, I mean, you kind of think of Netflix being this giant machine, which it is, but they were amazing to work with. I mean, just so supportive and great and helpful and, you know, just not crazy, which you would, you know, I've dealt with a lot of crazies in the entertainment world and, and they were really amazing. I mean, uh, during the pandemic, we had, multiple multiple zoom calls and meetings uh but they were really great and supportive and just awesome to work with i mean i i've told them it's like you know you guys literally have made me a better filmmaker um and they were just really supportive and just great from beginning to end they still are so uh then that was i'm not gonna say it was surprising but it was it was a really pardon refreshing it was very refreshing and and I guess, yeah, surprising. I mean, you think Netflix. I mean, it's huge. And yeah, they were a, genuine. The inter, the pound gorilla, yeah. Yeah, and they always just wanted what was best for the film. And it's what I really be. and what I really hope for all those out there listening, you know, with an inspirational idea or, or a, an idea of faith, faith, my hope is, and our, and our underlying hope is, that this is letting Netflix see the power of this type of film, you know, and the response to this type of messaging. And if I could share some of the messages and emails that the head of family has shared, they see that. They see, they see the power of a positive film focusing on faith and family and coming together. And so my hope is this really is opening the door to a lot of other great filmmakers and stories that carry these same themes. I think they're going to have a lot of data that lets them see that the audience is there. That's great, Gabriel. And I, I wonder to that point, let's, let's talk a little bit and I don't want to talk about the controversy, but I, but I, but I want you to maybe talk to the Christians specifically who would hear this podcast that canceled Netflix recently over um, some offensive material that, um, there was that movie cuties and there was some Brazilian thing about Jesus or something. I don't know, but people were upset. People have been upset at Netflix, just like over time, other people. And a lot of people's response oftentimes is to boycott, um, to cancel, blah, blah, blah. Um, to your point of what you just said right there, there are, there are 
others of us that believe that if you can present an alternative that can prove that there is an audience for it, that they will also accommodate that audience as well. Um, what do you say to the Christians who, who, who actually are critical of you for releasing a film on Netflix um, and uh, want you to, to not do that? What, what, what would be your response to them? I think I would say we're called to be light in dark places. And, you know, not that Netflix is a dark place in any sense of the word, but, you know, my hope is that we as believers and Christians would support and celebrate this light in this place. Because if we do, the opportunity for more light will become available. And I think that's the Great Commission, right? Like, and I heard that over and over again at Act One provide alternatives instead of criticizing, provide alternatives and don't provide mediocre alternatives, provide excellent alternatives. Don't just do subpar and put a stamp of faith on it, um, which I don't think anyone sets out to do. But I think I think that the challenge on us always was to live to try to deliver something exceptional, you know, to try to deliver something with some of the best talents we could find, to try to deliver something that if a kid were to glance at it, they wouldn't know if it was Disney or not. And I think to celebrate that and to celebrate that as a community and to celebrate the message behind it and the artist behind it and the music behind it is only going to give so much more opportunity for someone surfing on Netflix to see a show and push play and, and be able to hear hope and life and light and have no idea that that's what they're necessarily watching. And I just think that's such a great opportunity for us as creators, as content creators, as artists. I mean, that's, that's our hope. Um, you know, that's been a big hope of this project for us, that it would be able to be bigger than just ourselves, be able to give light to the world, to be able to speak to places and to people that wouldn't necessarily walk into a church. So I would hope those out there who maybe don't understand or question would see that awesome opportunity and would also be able to see the power of being able to support that so that others with great visions and great stories get a chance to also have their little block <laughs> up on the screen and hopefully be able to tell more stories that people, you know, are able to come across that honestly could change their life. I mean, the thing that I love about our story is it tells hopefully kids that watch this, they're not alone. And there's power in letting yourself be loved and vulnerable. And, you know, and our story doesn't shy away from God was always there. He was always there. Even when you didn't feel him. And man, for someone to come across our little movie and hopefully get that message, I would hope we would celebrate that, you know, and see the positivity of that and, and, and to know that there is a partner there who wants to celebrate that as well, I think is a pretty powerful message. I agree. That's beautiful. Well said, my friend. Well said. That's a very good answer to a question. That's why I love Gabe Vasquez. Gabriel never would have given you that. That's all Gabe. That wasn't a, that wasn't a Gabriel. That was a Gabe. Yeah, all heart. Well, I just, I just, um, I really do love our partners at Netflix, and they really are great people. You know, they really are phenomenal people, and uh, who want to do phenomenal content and phenomenal stories. And I think 
the success of this will hopefully let them have the freedom and opportunity to sign on and and uh, to bring more on. So I, I I really am excited. I'm excited for us across the board. Um, That's correct. You know. So I I um thank you for sharing that. I think there's a so a lot of wisdom in what you said. I, I I'm going to complain now though. I, I there is one bold face lie in your movie that I have to call out. At least, at least I did with my kids. <laughs> what um, is that? Um, well, I well, told time, my time's kids, running up. Uh, <laughs> I told my kids, you know, we're sitting there watching. I have an 11 year old and a nine year, 11 year old son, nine year old daughter. They, like I said, they really, they really love the film. And I, I, and then we got to the very end, you guys. And I saw the, that the very end and I looked at my kids and I said, wait a second, there's no kissing at church camp. There's no kissing at youth camp. Stop. What's going on? You can, you can blame me for that one. James. <laughs> I will tell you, I will be very honest. Myself and another producer were freaking out in the corner when that was happening. I will be very honest. You know, the Christian music marketing executive in me was sweating bullets, you know, double amounts of deodorant. Oh, my gosh. And and, you know, Roman was like, let me I let me do this. Let me do this. Let me I'm telling you, I feel like it feels right. So um, we 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 let we he did it. And And it it absolutely absolutely was the right choice. I'm messing with you guys, but you had to pull that out, though. As a dad, I as a dad, I'm like, no, there's no kissing in church camp. I remember when I was doing my directory rights and I constantly was saying, like, you know, this is a romance like there's romance here and there has to be a kiss. And they're always like, oh, no kiss, no kiss, no kiss. And I think I turned in my I think maybe my third draft you know because it would evolve every time when we'd have discussions and i remember telling them it's like okay i found this place for a kiss and it's in there and i put it in there and just read it and just see how it feels but it's not you know it's not anything it's just very sweet and it just feels right um and it did it it works i mean it's it's real again it's part of that realness like letting these kids letting these teenagers be teenagers and doing something that's real we do have a version where they kind of like like they kind of like touch foreheads oh it was so awkward that shot does exist they just made it it made it weirder something i didn't know and and maybe you did this intentionally and we've never talked about it but you know, in camp, our, our our Christian camp and conference friends have said that they talk about no purple because, you know, blue and red when it comes together. So Penny was was talking about how, like, they say at camp, no purple, no purple, no purple. Did you? But and in that scene, we have this big purple light on yeah, purple and pink, like blue and it. blue and pink that made kind of this purple. But, so, green, but but Will was like Verde Maximus was, was green and she green. was red. So it was green and red. Instead of blue and red, so it worked. It worked. So yes, yeah, we so, unfortunately did break a major camp rule, but uh, hopefully it was yeah. for the benefit of the story. Yeah, my my youth counselor would have been going around with a ruler, six inch rule, six yes. inch rule. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. No, it was a yes. it was a guys. You you accomplished um um you accomplished what you set out to do, and uh, you made a 
a very enjoyable film that I think people are going to um, respond to for um, for years to come. It's a it's a it's a fun movie. Oh, one thing I wanted to add was um, it was fun seeing the cameos of the Amy Grant. I was expecting Stephen Curtis Chapman to be the bus driver that didn't happen. So I don't know, but, but, uh, but well, you're, you, you are definitely telling. And I, that is an idea we have for the next one. Like who, <laughs> who can be our bus driver. We're already yeah. thinking about it, but that was the, um, just, it was, a, you guys clearly had fun making the film. There's a, there's a real fun energy and vibe that comes across. And I think probably a lot of that Roman is your leadership with that cast Absolutely. and uh, kind Thank of you. shepherding them and, just um just across the board congratulations i'm i'm curious just before we um um hang up um so you guys are working together now you have your own production company and you're moving forward on future projects what's um what's in store for what's the name of your production company and what are you guys developing now we are rove ro for roman b e vasquez entertainment so we're rove productions and um, we love this space. I mean, we both come with this, with this love of music and where music meets story, you know, with everything from musicals to family comedies, to, uh, journeys to just, you know, coming of age stories. We have a little bit of everything on our slate. Roman just, uh, we just finished, um, our first draft on a Christmas project. Um, we have another coming of age musical that we just finished as well. So, um, so I think you'll see a lot of this type of film, whether, you know, inspirational family stories, undertones of, of inspiration and, um, yeah, a lot more, a lot more to come in this space. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I love it. It's a great space to be in. I actually think that, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of like Rome, the way Roman described himself with music. I'm, I'm musically declined, but, um, I, I do think that Christian music does tend to lend itself to the musical genre, doesn't it? Right. The, story, the storytelling and the, yeah. and the, 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 the melody or whatever it is. So it's like, it's a, um, I think there's a, definitely a lot of space there to, and that's, and you spent a lot of your life in that, in that world, Gabriel. Did the last 20 years, the last 20 yeah. years working at labels and publishing and managing artists. So we, yes, there is, Hopefully we have a lot more songs to go pull from uh, in, the, in the future. That's great. Well, I, I want to thank both of you guys. And once again, congratulations on A Week Away, a fantastic film. And I hope everyone runs out and, or you don't run out, just go to your TV or your laptop and your um, local couch, your local, <laughs> your local couch. And uh, if you have time, watch it right away. If not, put it in your queue to watch it as soon as possible and watch you can, and Hey guys, here's the other thing. I can't, there's not a lot. And I know I, I used to be the guy who would hear people say this and I would kind of roll my eyes thinking, geez, not everything is for you and your kids relax. Now that I have kids, it is, it is, it means a lot to me when I can find films that I can watch with my kids. So thank you. I, I want to thank you as a dad for making something that I can watch with my kids. So thank you for that. Thank you. That that was the goal. Yeah. I know Gabe loves to hear that. That's, that's what he loves. Well, you know, we have to listen to and watch all these movies, you know, and you know, I'm sure you've watched as many musicals and know them as much as we do. And that was my hope. You know, our hope was that, 
you would you would get touched from your own experiences with this music as much as your kids and you get to share it you get to you know it becomes a great conversational piece and so I'm I'm really glad. Thank you, man. I that's that was a big hope for us that you know the dads and moms sitting in the couch would be just as excited as the kids are. And we're getting a lot of a lot of comments from that that the kids look over to their their parents as they're jumping up singing greatest you know great adventure yes. um, and wondering how, how do you know this song, song? Yes. Um, is a really fun opportunity for everyone to to get a little something. So thank you for that. A lot of youth group choir flashbacks. I'm just going to right. warn everybody: if you watch this film, you're going to get a lot of youth group choir flashbacks. So um, is this where you cut to singing? You what's sing? that? Is this where you cut to you singing one of the songs? <laughs> That's right. Yes, you cut to me <laughs> singing "Great Adventure." I do want yeah. you to send me a video of you doing the big house choreography. How about that? <laughs> It seems fair. It seems there's fair. a whole how-to video on TikTok, so you can you can have yes. a step-by-step lesson. Yes, I'm sure uh, a week away too we'll have some sort of giant Jesus freak mosh pit scene um, with, uh, <laughs> with with um, all kinds. Of, um, we could we could do, we could deep dive into 80s and 90s Christian music. Right oh now. man, you're that's the one we had to cut that song that was originally in the film. Was it really? Yeah, that was one we were trying to put in, and we we ended up having to cut that part. So, oh, wow! Look yeah. at you. You you know your catalog. There you go. Exactly a week right. away too. A week away too. All right. <laughs> um, hey guys, what a privilege and an honor! Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. I like to end our podcast by praying for our guests. Would you allow me to pray for you guys? Absolutely. Thank you. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, wow! Thank you for just a fantastic time um, talking to the, these just these great guys. So so grateful um, for the chance to just be able to spend some time with them and talk about this fun film. And um, God, I just want to pray for a blessing upon um, both Gabe and Roman. Uh, I pray God that you'd bless their <clears throat> bless their lives, bless their families. Um, God bless their new endeavor with uh, Rove. Um, God, I pray that um, they would find uh, new great stories to tell, um, be able to continue to create great content for families and um, uh, just um, um, create films that that resonate deeply uh, with the human soul um, while just helping us have a good time and entertain us and and to laugh and to sing and just have a great time. And I'm just so grateful for their creativity and for their honesty. And we just want to pray a blessing upon um, just all their future endeavors. And we pray for this film, that more people continue to see it. And uh, just thank you for this opportunity to be able to connect today. We pray this in Jesus' name and your promises we stand. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Act One Podcast. Celebrating over 20 years as the premier training program for Christians in Hollywood. Act One is a Christian community of entertainment industry professionals who train and equip storytellers to create works of truth, goodness, and beauty. To financially support the mission of Act One, or to learn more about our programs, visit us online at actoneprogram.com. Thank you.